Welcome back to the Gospel Baptist Church podcast, where we focus on the Bible and God's plan for our lives. Though this day in history is filled with pain and confusion, the Bible offers the hope and instruction we all need. So let's dive into today's message and hear how God's Word has the answers for today. First Thessalonians chapter 3 in your Bibles. <clears throat> the title of this morning's message is, What a Father Does. What a Father Does. On Father's Day in the past, I have had a dedicated message on the subject of fatherhood. And in it, I focused on manliness and responsibility of fathers. And we just look at different scriptures that deal with that didactic teaching of this, this needs to happen this way. This morning, rather than speaking about responsibilities, I want to talk about the person. In fact, today I want to look at the biblical role of a father. When we think of a good father-son relationship, we might think of I know, Abraham and Isaac, maybe Jacob and, and uh, Joseph, maybe even David and Solomon. But today we are going to talk about we're not going to talk about a natural father-son relationship, our natural father-son relationship, yes. We're going to talk about a spiritual relationship. You see, there's a theme in the New Testament, as you read through it, of this father-son relationship. And what happens is when you lead someone to the Lord, you feel responsible for that person. And you feel like, like a father to that person. You want to invest in that person. You want to, make, you want to make sure that person's doing okay. There's this strong bond that's going on there. And that bond is meant to be developed and should be developed. And it's almost like a family relationship. You see, as you read through the Apostle Paul's epistles, his letters, it's not hard to notice that that theme is very, very strong. That father-son relationship, the heart that he has for those people he's led to the Lord and just as a father loves his children, Paul loved the members of the churches which he started. Now maybe he led them to the Lord and there was that, that bond through that, or maybe he just discipled them. I say just discipled, I mean that's serious effort he put into their lives. And he was very concerned for them. And this morning I want us, us to see how Paul related to his church, in the, Thess the Thessalonian church specifically. Again, the title of today's message is, What a Godly father does. And we're, we're going to see that for First Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's read from verse 1 down to where we see verse um, 9. Verse 1 down to verse 9. Wherefore, Paul said, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourself. No, that we are appointed thereto, or thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from, us, from you unto us, and brought us a good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have a good remembrance of us, always desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted 
over you in our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the faith. In the Lord, should I say. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this scripture. I'm asking you for the help of your Holy Spirit. Without you, we can do nothing. And we can do all things, things through Christ which strengthened us, the Bible tells us. And I pray for your help. I pray for your grace. You resist the proud, but give grace and humble as we humble ourselves before you. I'm asking you for your help with the preaching of your word. I'm asking you for your people. You give them the help to receive it the way it's intended from you. May your sweet Holy Spirit work deeply in our hearts. And may we understand the Father-Son relationship a whole lot better because of the scriptures this morning. Lord, although this message is primarily for men, I pray, Lord, that ladies will be blessed and helped and encouraged by it. And really what it is, Lord, is a testimony of the Apostle Paul. And it's really what you're doing in my heart. Please, God, would you continue to work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. So three things I want to share with you. Number one, the godly father constantly thinks of his children. The godly father constantly thinks of his children. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. It says here, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left in Athens and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister, and our fellow neighbor in the gospel to establish you, comfort you concerning your faith. You know, much can be said about a mother's love, and rightly so. The renowned Proverbs 31 woman is the crown of her husband and a treasure of her children. She works hard. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 31, she riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household. Verse 15. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet, which was, they look good, they are well dressed. Verse 21. She works hard, she's kind. She opens her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is a law of kindness. That's a really good thing about a mother, isn't it? When her words are kind. Verse 26. She's caring. She looketh well to the ways of her household, the Bible says in verse 27. And her family members greatly respect her. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. That's verse 28 of Proverbs 31. This is the mother who carries the burden of each of her children upon her heart, just like the high priest did when he wore the holy breastplate. And you might have seen pictures of the holy breastplate, and there were these 12 stones, six on this side, six on this side, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies, the presence of, bear, of the Almighty God of Heaven, he carried the nation of Israel with him. He, his heart carried the nation of Israel with him. That's the mother, isn't it? That's how a mother loves her family, loves her children. Much can be said about them, but what about the father? What about the father? Fathers can work hard. The mother can work hard, the father can work hard. Fathers can be caring and kind. Fathers can earn the respect of their family members. And fathers can also powerfully impact their children for all eternity. Brethren, that drives me as a father. I want to impact my children for all eternity. And that's what we see with the Apostle Paul. He wanted to impact all those precious people that he called his children. The Apostle Paul demonstrated that godly father's heart. 
Evidently, he didn't have any of his own natural children, but he begat many children to the gospel through the gospel of Jesus Christ. When people got saved, it was like giving birth. If any man be in Christ, he is what a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When somebody gets saved, when somebody repents of their sin, they're born again. Yesterday, we were knocking on doors and talked to uh, a man, and he said, uh, I'm, I'm, and he mentioned his religion, and uh, uh, he, he, I said, are you a Christian? No, actually, it was somebody else. But anyway, there's somebody I talked with, and they said, I'm a Christian, but I'm not born again. That's interesting. Because the Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. If you're not born again, you're not a Christian. You may have a religious name tag, but if you haven't been washed in the blood of Jesus, you're not saved. If you haven't repented of your sin and put your faith in the one who died on the cross and was buried and rose again, you're not a Christian. You might be a nice person. You might be a great neighbor. You might live to do good to others. You might do unto want, want others as you'd have them do unto you. And that's a really good thing, but you're not a Christian. You've got to be born again. You've got to be washed in the precious blood of Jesus. But when you're washed in the precious blood of Jesus, the Bible says you're born again. You're born afresh. You're a, born, you're a brand new baby. I love babies. Thank you for bringing your babies to Gospel Baptist Church this morning. It's not an imposition. If they start crying and throwing out a fuss, just walk outside, just out the door there. You'll hear the microphone. You'll hear the sound. But you don't think it's a burden to bring your child here. We love children around here. Because each precious child is precious to us. And the Bible has a lot to say about precious children. Except a man come like a little child, the Bible says. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that right? But when someone gets saved, they're like a newborn babe. Precious little child. And somebody has fathered that person. And the Apostle Paul fathered that person. I want, to think, I want you to think this morning, if you've been saved, just stop and think for a moment of that person who fathered you. Think about that person who led you to Christ. That person has a vested interest in your life. That person loves you with a special love. There's a special bond between you because that person brought you into the spiritual world, so to speak. Does that make sense to you this morning? That's really important. That was the Apostle Paul. And yesterday, uh, I met one of my converts, so to speak, on the doors. The guy did get saved. Went to a different church. Of course, I wish he'd come here, but, you know, he, he made his choice, and that's fine. But he said he was going through a hard time. I feel responsible for him. I want to know he's okay. And I said, meet with me. And you know, my, he has my number. I said, call me. I said, you still have my number? Yeah, call me. He said, I will. I want to know he's okay. Because there's a bond there, isn't there? There's a bond with someone when you lead that person to Christ. And you want to know they're okay. You want to know they're growing in the Lord. The Apostle Paul, he led people to the Lord, and if he didn't lead them to salvation, he led them on in the faith, and he was their father in the faith. And he wrote two inspired letters to Timothy, and he called Timothy his dearly beloved son. He, he, he may or may not have led Timothy to Christ. It seems like he didn't. But he fathered him spiritually to help him to grow in his faith. He wrote also to Titus, and Titus he called his own son after the common faith. And this morning we see that Paul then wrote to the Thessalonians. And he wrote from a fatherly heart. 
And you see that in verse 1. He said, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, it was on my heart. You're on my heart. He, he was deeply concerned for these Thessalonian believers because there was a lot of weight upon them. Because when you trust in Christ, there's a lot of weight upon you because the devil doesn't like that you trusted in Jesus Christ. And the devil wants to distract you from your faith. He wants to get you out of church. And the world doesn't like that you're a Christian. The world doesn't like that you're following Jesus Christ. They want you to play in their circles and play their games and, and hang around with them and do their things. If they're, and oftentimes those things aren't godly and right. And these, these Thessalonians were struggling and they were, they were starting to buckle under the pressure. And at least Paul thought they were. And the Bible says when we could no longer forbear, the word forbear means to endure, to suffer under, to cover with silence. I mean, to say nothing. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm not going to say a word, and you hold your hand. And uh, we have a, a child like that in our family. And I won't mention his name. But you know when he has something he wants to say? And you're told you, you're not allowed to say anything? <laughs> All the emotions come out, because our family does, does not really hide emotions very well. So maybe some are better than others, but... Most aren't. And, and uh, it's Paul said, well, I can no longer forbear. He said, I couldn't stop. I had to say something. He tried to forbear, but he said, I can't do this anymore. And he was at the point of bursting. He could no longer restrain himself. To use a colloquialism, it was driving Paul mad, wondering what was going on with the Thessalonians. Are they okay? I've got to know. They're not responding to my text. Not responding to my email. Aren't you glad we're not in the days of snail mail? What would, what would you rather? My kids play this game someday. Sometimes, what would you rather? You know, have no email for the rest of your life, or have no, you know, be a, or, or phone that doesn't work, or bad bad signal. You know? <laughs> Most people say, I'll do with the bad signal. Give me my email. Give me my Wi-Fi. Paul had no Wi-Fi, he had no way of connecting with the Thessalonian church, and he wanted to know that they were okay. He said to the Philippians, I have you in my heart, chapter 1, verse 7. Paul's heart for these precious believers led him to definite action. And since he was unable to travel to Thessalonica himself, what did he do? He sent somebody else, faithful Timothy. Paul told the Philippians, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. That's a fatherly heart. Caring for his own children. Number one, the godly father constantly thinks of his own children. Number two, the godly father constantly thinks of their spiritual condition. He constantly thinks of their spiritual condition. Look at verse two here. And said Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and comfort you concerning your faith. You see, the godly father wants to establish his children. To establish literally means to set fast in glue. I remember years ago, I was trying to fix my bike. And I did all sorts of things with bikes. I used to make bikes and play with bikes. And sometimes I didn't have a puncture repair kit. And I remember using super glue. That super glue stayed on my fingers for about two weeks. Simply works. And the Bible says, when I no longer for, 
would, I, I want, when I no longer could forbear, Paul said, I wanted, so I sent Timothy to establish you. I wanted, uh, Gorilla Glue is great stuff, isn't it? One of my favourite memes, and maybe I wouldn't get myself into trouble this morning, but just, I hope you, hopefully you have a sense of humour. Kids are acting up, you just super glue them, you know, the Gorilla Glue them to the wall, you know. It works! And Paul said this, when I could no longer forbear, I sent Timothy to establish you, to super glue you in the right direction. I wanted to know that you're going in the right direction. I wanted to know that you're being established, set fast in the right direction. I wonder how many of you started a job, and this happened to me. And you started a job and you were given no training. Has ever, raise your hand, that you were given no training. It is hard. You're given no training and they say, figure it out. And you have to ask people, how do I do this? How do I do that? And it frustrates people around you. Am I with, are you with me here this morning? Now these days I think people are getting better at it, especially when you start a, be a specialized field. They send you off for a few weeks, few months for training. Then you arrive on the job and they give you training on the job to make sure you do the job right. Isn't that right? That's the way to do it, right? That's the way it should be done. Like when I have somebody come up here and speak or to preach, I don't say, well, have a go and see how it goes. Now, I've done that before, but it's not really nice. Usually what I'll do is I'll start training them and show them how to do it and work with them and help them. Right? That's what you're supposed to do, right? So just leave them do it. And that's how it works in the job place or how it's supposed to work in the, in the, in the workplace. But the question is, do our children deserve anything less? Okay. Off you go. I've given you your education. Off you go. And they look at you and say, what do I do now? Isn't that true? Where do I go now? What do I do now? Because not everybody has direction. But the father's heart is to set your children in direction. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should want. Go. You should know your child. What does my child need? Do they need a master's degree? Or do they need a technical skill? That's a good question. Give them what they need. Not what you think you want them to have. Or you never had one of them. Why did you have one of them? Maybe they don't want it. Maybe it's no good to them. Train them up in the way that they should go. And that's what Paul did with the believers. This is the direction we need to be going in. And this is what's right for you. And he helped them where, where they were going. And that's, that's what God and fathers need, need to do. The Godly Father wants to establish his children, but the Godly Father wants to comfort his children. Look at verse 2. And send Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of, of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you. The word comfort literally means to come, al come alongside. I want to ask a question. When does parenting end? Never. Never. Now, when you're young, you say, when they're 18, and they go. But then they hit 18, and you're like, well, I actually like you. <laughs> you didn't like them before they were 18, but then they hit 18, and they start acting like an adult, and you start liking them. I used to talk with Jenny. I say, I can't wait to work 20 years married. We're heading off to China, and then go with it. Amen. Who wants to go to China? Anyway, no the person gets China. But, you know, we won't go there. But the point is, off together. What about the kids? They'll be fine. Put them in a, in, put them in a container somewhere and throw food at them. I don't know. 
they'd be fine. But you know what? We go on our 22nd anniversary to celebrate our 20th. We all understand that, two years after COVID began. And what do you do all on your holidays? Talk about your kids. That wasn't part of the script 20 years ago. But it becomes part of the script 20 years later because you learn to love your kids. A bit of humour there, you get the point. The point is, the parenting never ends, does it? Some people think once they do the leaving search, then my parenting ends. It doesn't. It doesn't end when they go off to college. It doesn't end when they get their first job. It doesn't end even when they have married, get married and have kids. Now that doesn't mean you go with them on their honeymoon, amen? <laughs> I'm not even going to go there because I know of a person that did that. And last time I talked about this, I lost the plot. I don't want to lose the plot this morning. Josh did a meme about me talking about this because it just is so bizarre. It doesn't end when they go on their honeymoon. It doesn't end when they have their kids. You see, your role changes. You're not the dad to tell your kids, okay, you need to do this, this, and this. Oh, what are you now? It's not your role to get in between the marriage and start giving your opinions. That's why you need to forbear and say nothing. It doesn't matter if you explode inside. Explode. But you're there to support the couple, right? Not to take sides, but to accept them both equally and treat them with respect and be a sounding board when they need a sounding board and support the family. Parenting never ends. We never knew that when we started off, did we? <laughs> but now we do. But the Godly Father wants to comfort his children no matter what. And the Godly Father wants to strengthen the faith of his children. Look at verse 2. And Paul said to, to establish you and comfort you concerning your faith. You want to strengthen the faith of your children. There are many trials and tribulations in the Christian life. And those challenges and trials are either going to make our children or, or they're going to break our children. And there are many people who, who wear kid gloves with their children, do you understand, all the way through till they go through college. And then they face the real world and they're not ready. We need to prepare our children to go through difficulties and trials so that they're ready to face the big bad world. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? That's what dads are meant to do. And our children should have heartache, and they should have difficulty, and they should have struggles. And we are doing them no help or no good service if we try to protect them from those big bad world things that happen in their juice season. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of wicked stuff that primary school kids are facing. Protect them from that by all means. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about in juice season, they have to face the world bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. So that they're ready when the trials come. Because those trials and tribulations are either going to make our children or break them. And we don't want them broken, amen? We want them strong enough to be able to face those. That's what parenting's all about. We don't want our children to get discouraged or faint in the midst of these things. Instead, we want to accept every trial as coming from the gracious hand of God. Isn't that right? In verse 4, it says here, For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. It's part of what we're, we're, we're meant to go through. Trials are part of life. Difficulties are part of life. Struggles are part of life. 
You're going to have to work 60 hours a week to get your deposit to get your house. You're going to have to live in some little bed sit somewhere or some caravan or some whatever so you can save up for your deposit. Nothing happens instantly in life and it'll happen instantly in life. Easy come, easy go. It doesn't prepare you for real life to have it easy. You're going to have to go through some hardship. You're going to have to go through some difficulty. You're going to have to suffer tribulation. Verse 4, it says... For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent it to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor would be in vain, Paul said. Paul wanted to make sure they were okay. But verse 4 says that, that, they, that he told them these things. He told them these things. You see, the apostles saw themselves as life coaches. Do you know what a life coach is? A life coach works with clients to help them achieve their goals by providing guidance and support in various areas, including goal setting for future plans. A life coach. That's a parent's argument. You can do this. What are your goals? What are your dreams? Okay, what's realistic? What's not realistic? Let's work through this together. Brethren, when I finished the, the leading sermon, I had a clue what I wanted to do in life. My dad didn't have a clue how to help me. He just said, just go get yourself a college degree. Where? I don't know. Well, I was limited to one college because I didn't do a language, and you know the story behind that. I won't go through that again. Okay, then I get my degree. Now what do I do? Parents, it's your job to help bring your children to that. You know your kid. You might know your, your children more than they know themselves. Coach them. Coach them. Life coaches are motivational speakers who want to help you to reach your full potential. And although there's nothing wrong with life coaches and, and this system in and of itself, we must remember Mark 38 36. For what shall a profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And if all we're doing is coaching our children to be successful in the world, what does it profit if they lose their souls? If you are a worldly success and a spiritual failure, where's the profit in that? The Bible asks. Worldly success is temporary, it's transitory. Spiritual success is eternal. And that's where the life coaching comes in by parents, especially dad. Dad, get behind your kids and you coach your children to be a success for Jesus Christ. The apostles ill intimately knew this, and they were burdened for the Thessalonians to finish well, to finish the course that God had laid out for them. On Sunday, October 30th, Dublin will again host its annual marathon. Every year, about 25,000 people set out to run the 26.2 miles. Excuse me, but not everyone finishes. Officials say about 1.3% of people of marathons get a DNF, did not finish, a DNF card. I wish the DNF rate for Christians was as low as 1.3%. That would be 98.7% of Christians finishing the course would be amazing, wouldn't it? Unfortunately, that rate for Christians not finishing the course is a whole lot higher than a marathon runner. Brethren, Paul was burdened for the Thessalonians that they wouldn't get that DNF card. He wanted them to finish their course. And so these apostles made it their business to coach the Thessalonians all the way through their struggles. 
And is that not what a godly father wants to do? You know, sometimes our children struggle. And do you know what our children do when they struggle? They blame their parents. And sometimes when children struggle, they don't speak respectfully to their parents. And they say stupid things. And children start fighting with their parents and parents with their children. And you're totally off base. This is not what it's about. If we could just stand back for a little bit, fathers, and say, okay, why is my child getting so upset? And let's work through the problem. Like everyone else, we have to face those things in our own home. We've got emotional people in our home. People have emotions. But at least they talk. If your child doesn't talk, it's a lot harder, isn't it? I'm glad my kids talk. And you know, the thing is that I will not take disrespect. My kids know that. I will not put up with disrespect. Don't talk to me that way. You want to talk to me? Speak respectfully and we will definitely talk. No problem. But brethren, sometimes our kids don't speak respectfully and sometimes we just need a bit more grace. I'm preaching at myself this morning. Need a bit more grace. Be patient with our kids and help them work through their problems. Because they're not mad at you, they're mad at the world. And they're struggling. Because we live in a wicked world that's ungodly. And they need support. And where does support come from? It comes from the home. And who's the head of the home? On paper, maybe dad is. But we don't want it just in paper. We want it in real life. Dad is head of the home and dad's going to lead here. Dad's going to help you work through the problems here. Because dad's a godly dad and a godly man. And that's what Paul was to the Thessalonians. I'll help you work through this. We're going to work through this together. The apostles felt that all their discipleship and all their training would be in vain if their Thessalonians turned away from it and went their own way. Look at verse 6. Paul said this, but now, but now Timotheus came from, us unto, from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that ye have good remembrance of us Always desire greatly to see us, as we also to see you. And that's the wrong verse. But there's a verse that says something about, which is not in vain. And I've lost that verse. But the point is, we, don't, we want to make sure. Oh, verse 5 it is. I have the wrong reference there. I apologize. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I said to know your faith, lest by any, some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Think about this way. This is very challenging. And I, I thought about this, before, you know, I really have thought about this. If you invest in your children as a dad, and your children don't follow your counsel to walk with God, you've labored in vain. That's a strong expression, isn't it? That sounds like almost harsh. But look what Paul is saying. He's saying here, I don't want the tempter to tempt you, verse 5. Because if he tempts you and, and lures you away, our labor is in vain. That's a very strong expression. But you get it. Paul's inputting and inputting and inputting. And he's giving his heart and soul and he's sacrificing. And he's doing without meals. And he's going to prison and suffering all sorts of uh, suffering. Uh, and he's enduring so much suffering for the gospel. And the Bible says... He made the statement, I bear on my back the marks of the Lord Jesus. And if you Thessalonians don't walk with God, it's in vain. Wow, that's quite a statement. Now how can we apply that to our lives? 
put in the effort Paul did. That's a tremendous, tremendous way of thinking. But is, not, is that not how a godly father feels? If my children don't follow my instruction and I pour my heart into it, why did I put so much effort in? Wow. When you put your heart and your soul into raising your children and training them, do you not expect them to walk in your ways? I mean, is that unreasonable of a father to expect that when you put so much effort in? Is that unreasonable? No, it's not. Do you wonder what is the point if your children do not follow? Because Paul did. Which brings me to my final point. Number one, the godly father constantly thinks of his children. Number two, the godly father constantly thinks of the spiritual condition of his children. Number three, the godly father raises his children to walk in his faith. The godly father raises his children to walk in his faith. Look at verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress. Because Paul was really going through it himself by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Wow, what a statement. For what thanks can we render to God again for you for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. If your faith has value to you, you should want your children to value your faith as well. Let me say that again. If your faith has value to you, you should want your children to value your faith as well. Would you agree with that? If something's really, 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 really important to you, you want it to be really important to your children. We see that in the world. We see that in the world of sport. I mean, there's almost a war in the family if you've got a dad who's a Manchester United supporter and the kids are Liverpool supporters. I think I'm out of date. I should be more like Man City supporters. It's more like the rivalry at the moment. We see that in the world. But apply that spiritually. If dad loves the Lord Jesus Christ and loves the faith and loves church and loves the things of God, if his children don't have that, that's a weight to carry. Would you agree with that? It really is. And Paul was 100% committed to his parenting. And look at this verse 8. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. That is a strong statement. Do you want to kill me, Thessalonians? Do you want to put me in an early grave, Thessalonians? Don't stand in your faith. Wow. That's quite strong, isn't it? Do you want to give me life, Thessalonians? Do you, want, do, you want to, do you want to give me some reason to going forward, a reason to suffer? Then go forward in your faith. Brethren, when you see that your children walking with God, it motivates you to take further steps, doesn't it? It does. And when they just will not follow, it demotivates you, doesn't it? I mean, that's human nature, isn't it? Paul's bringing this out here. And brethren, that's what it takes to, be, to, to raise your children for the Lord. Be that, have that type of commitment. Now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. That kind of commitment, now listen to me, these are, these are challenging things. We're looking at Paul's life here. That kind of commitment, man, does not know failure. That type of commitment Paul has does not know failure. It is a no-holes-barred commitment. No-holes-barred, that's a, a, a wrestling phrase. 
which means that no fouls are illegal. You do whatever it takes to win. When you have that mindset, you can't lose. Because you're 100% committed right till the end. I'm not giving up. There's one of my kids, I won't name him. But he'd make a great wrestler. Because he never gives up. I asked him years ago when he was five. He was just driving me nuts. You know, five-year-old stage. I know, I know, we love kids, we really do. But you know the way five-year-old has a stage where they just drive me nuts. I said, I want you to run around the house. We live in the country. I want to run around the house a hundred times. I'll give you five euros. He was five. And he did it. It took him two and a half hours. He was, he was counting out every time he passed by. He told me what number he was on. I couldn't believe it. I gave him five euros. We carried him to bed because he couldn't walk up the stairs. <laughs> but that's commitment. That's endurance. And brethren, I want to tell you something. Uh, uh, when someone has that type of commitment, they will stick with something right to the end. You put that type of energy into the faith. Wow, what a Christian, amen? This type of commitment is no holes barred. It, it will pull out all stops. You know what that phrase means? The old pipe organs. And they pull out all these. You ever see the old pipe organs? They have all these levers. They pull out the stops. They're called stops. When you pull out all stops, it gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And it builds in intensity. And that's giving it all you've got. That type of parenting, no holes barred. Giving all you've got knows no failure. Such is the commitment required to raise faithful and godly children. Such commitment will fast and pray through every form of opposition because you will face opposition. Yea, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And we're going to face struggles. But you're going to stick with it all the way to the end and you're not going to give up. So such commitment will fast and pray. It will work and work and work at the relationship until we get where we need to be. It will humble itself again and again, whatever it takes to win the heart of that child. And keep that precious one walking with the Savior, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. That type of commitment. And you dads have the advantage. Because Paul did not have a natural bond with the Thessalonians. But you have a natural bond with your kids. Your kids want your approval. They just do. And when you take what Paul is teaching about how to be a father, and you apply that to your parenting, it's a win, 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 win. Everybody wins. Nobody loses. Because your kids look up to you. I've seen it again and again. I've seen kids looking up to their parents who are strung out drugs. It's, but it's dad, it's still dad. It's just there. We, as, as fathers, have such an advantage. Our children look up to us. They want to follow our example. Let's give them an example to follow. If we want them to walk with God, let's show them what it looks like. And let's say, let's do it, kids. And your kids are going to say, sure, Dad. Because they want that from you. They want it. We just need to work on our approach. Sometimes we, as dads, can be a bit rough. Or whatever. We just need to work on our approach. Learn each child. Learn what motivates our children. Our children are all different. And by the way, and I broke this yesterday, and I confessed before the Lord and before you, 
Don't argue with your kids. You're the dad. Dads don't need to argue. You're already in charge. God put you in charge. Your kids forget that sometimes. They need to be gently and kindly reminded. Don't argue with them about it. But brethren, let me end with this. Don't look at your watches, but I'll tell you, I'm going to finish this message in less than 40 minutes. Amen? <laughs> don't say amen. <laughs> the prize at the end is worth the effort. The prize at the end is worth the effort. Third John, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What could be more satisfying? Seeing an alpha on his deathbed saying, I was the CEO of Smurfin. Or of Ryanair. Or whatever. Pick an Irish company. I was the CEO of that company. I made millions for my boss. When he's lying on his deathbed, I don't think he really cares about that. And if he does, he's a fool. Or would you rather, or, or what's more satisfying? The father that's, that's lying on his deathbed saying, you know, we just have a mediocre way of living. But I got my kids around me and they love me. And by the way, if you have broken relationships with your children, I am not condemning you. God is not condemning you. He loves you. And he wants to help you to rebuild those relationships. And he'll do whatever you need. God is gracious. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Are you with me this morning? We can do this. We can fix this. I am not saying this to condemn anyone. Please don't. If you're seeing, thinking this, change your thinking. I'm not condemning anyone. I'm trying to motivate you from the scriptures to think differently. And is there wrong with, anything wrong with having lots of money or being a CEO? No, not at all. I'm not saying that at all. You missed the point. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just trying to say by comparison. It's more important to have the heart of your children than anything else. Because that's the prize you want at the end. John said this, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. You know, that's what gives me the greatest satisfaction. That puts a spring on myself. When I was in college and we were learning about business, I love business. I love reading about business. I love studying business culture, business philosophy. That was fun for me. I remember reading about one of the business strategists and saying, you know, your workers should want to walk into work with a spring in their step. I still remember the spring in their step. And the work environment should be like that. Well, that's all great. But I'll tell you what gives you a better spring in your step, and that's when your children are walking in truth. They'll give you a reason to go to your workplace and a satisfaction. My kids are walking with God. How can you pay God back for that gracious joy? Verse 9. For what thanks? Verse 9. What thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our Lord. And he's like, I'm so excited. Praise the Lord for what God has done in your life. How can I thank you enough? Thank you, Lord. It was worth every bit of effort. Worth every bit of energy. Thank you so much for the stripes on my back. My back being ripped to shreds. That imprisonment. That beating. That scoffing. That scorning. Being thro rocks thrown at me. Thank you, Lord, because look at what you did. You with me here? Every bit of sac sac sacrifice is worth it when your children walk in the faith. And you know what that does then? It builds a relationship and increases the desire for fellowship. Look at verse 11. 
Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. Paul yearned to see the Thessalonians again, and they yearned to see him. And we need to always have that with our children, that our kids want to see us. I know of families right now, and parents are begging them to communicate. They don't want it. But our kids should want to see us. They should want to be around us, even after they leave home. When they leave home, there should always be an open door. And if they're married, the door's not open for you to come back and move in. Amen? <laughs> Go back and sort out your marriage problems. I taught you how to work through problems. Use what I taught you. And if your wife comes to me crying, I'll beat you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> just joking, just joking. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd never say that. But the point is, the, the, the thing is that uh, uh, you, you, want to, you just want to invest in those children and love those children. They should want to be around you. And if they don't want you, there's something wrong, there's something broken, something that needs to be fixed. And you say, I'll do whatever it takes to fix that. Paul had that healthy relationship with the Thessalonians. And that relationship gives us something to aim for. Brethren, I want that. As a dad, I want that with my kids. I'm willing to fight for it. I'm willing to sacrifice for it. I'm willing to drop everything for it because it's worth it to me. Because I know at the end of the day, if you aim for nothing, you're going to hit it. Let's aim for something that's worthwhile. This morning we've seen the godly father constantly thinks of his children. I'm not going to insult anyone by asking you constantly think of your children. Of course you do. Number two, the godly father constantly thinks of the spiritual condition of his children. And I, I want to ask you this morning, what about you? Are you deeply concerned for the spiritual condition of your children? Do you constantly pray for them like Paul did? Do you constantly examine yourself and say, Lord, what's my part in all this? The worst parenting is when you say, well, it's their fault, it's their choice. That's terrible parenting. Where is the personal responsibility there? You say, Lord, what do I need to do to help my children along the way? You can't make anyone get saved. But what you can do is be, do everything you can on your part to make it easier, amen? Lord, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? How can I build that healthy relationship? How can I do that? And finally, God, the Godly Father raises his children to walk in his faith. How are you doing? I guess the true test is when our children leave home. When our children are at home, they have to do what they're told. They have to come to church. You grab them by their ear and you pull them to church, right? Can I just say something? Please do yourself a favor. If your children are adults in the home and they don't want to come to church, don't coerce them. Leave them alone. Because if you coerce your children to go to church, you're giving them a false sense of spirituality. And you're fooling yourself. Let your children come to church because they want to be in church. There's no conscription here. This is volunteer stuff, amen? You're not here because you have to be. You're here because you want to be. The people who went out soul winning on Tuesday, we had six people out on Tuesday and five people out soul winning on, on Saturday. They went out soul winning because they had to be, they wanted, they wanted to be there. The offering plate went around today and, and, and you didn't put money in the offering plate because you had to, you did because you want to. And then people give online, not because they have to, because they want to. Nobody's checking up on you, texting you, did you give your tithe this week? It's, that's actually probably a good idea. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but the point is this. It's got to be volunteer or it's not real. Amen. 
It's going to be real. Brethren, we as parents should be, as a dad, we should be able to see those warning signs of our children. If our children don't want to serve God, you should be able to see it. Give them freedom to express how they really feel so you can deal with it. But brethren, let me ask you, men, can you see your children following a godly example? Let's bring this before the Lord, can we? Father, thank you so much for your... Thank you for listening to today's message on the Gospel Baptist Church podcast. To view this and similar messages as a video or for more information about Gospel Baptist Church, head over to lukeandchurch.com. That's lukeandchurch.com. Thank you again, and God bless.